boy is eating. The boy is your Coffee with Gringos, Dynamic English's new podcast where you can learn English simply by hearing people use it. So sit down and have a coffee with us. You're listening to Coffee with Gringos. I'm Paige Sutherland. And I'm Ian Kennedy. And today we have a special guest, another Dynamic English teacher, Jesse Andrews. Jesse, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Jesse, since you are new to the pod, just tell the audience a little bit about who you are, where you're from. Uh, yeah, I'm originally from Oklahoma. I lived in Viña del Mar for a year and a half as a student, fell in love with Chile, and decided to return in 2016 to teach English. So, I've been here now for three and a half years, living in Santiago. Oklahoma. Nice. Do you see a lot of Oklahomians in Santiago? Never. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That would be my assumption. So today we're going to talk about kind of a contentious issue. We're going to talk about guns. I think given our country's background, history, and some of the recent headlines lately, I think it's a topic worth discussing. So... Recently, we had two mass shootings in 24 hours. People, uh, you know, from the U.S., do you think were surprised by this? What do you think? Unfortunately, I wasn't surprised to hear about this. The gun culture in the United States is, like you said, it's really contentious. But what's really, what's really sad is it's become something that's almost normalized. It's so normal to turn on the TV or log on to the Internet and you see all these stories, a shooting here, a shooting there. And it's just like a little blip on the news feed. In any other country, some kind of mass shooting would make huge headlines, would be be the biggest news. And unfortunately for for us, for our country, it seems to kind of just slide under the radar after a day or two. And it's really unfortunate. Do you guys, because you're American, get asked about guns often? I get asked frequently in my classes about guns and why the United States doesn't have stricter laws on guns. So yeah, it's definitely a topic that's brought up. I think for Chileans, it's it's difficult to understand why we have so many guns in the United States, because in Chile, civilians do not own guns. It's something I get asked all the time, I think, by students, because when you think about the U.S., that's probably one of our biggest problems is, I mean, We have people dying from guns all of the time. I mean, we have, I think, a gun per person. We have that many guns. Where most countries, it's hard to get guns. And I think the biggest thing that I have to explain to students is that the U.S. is very complex. Unlike most countries, there's one federal law, right? We don't have these state laws. And I think that's the biggest confusion around guns is that each state has its own gun laws. So a state like Oklahoma and Missouri has different gun laws than a state like Massachusetts, where I'm from. And that, I think, gets really confusing in the whole gun control policy. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. I I used to live in Texas, and in Texas, 
<laughs> Basically, everyone carries a gun. It's very common to see a, a mother with a gun on her hip, a man, police officers, anybody. So yeah, in certain parts of the United States, there are definitely more guns than, than in other areas. Part of that is due to the number of hunters. For example, I am from Oklahoma, and we have turkey and deer, and it's really popular and really common to, to hunt them. So there are a lot of people that are very responsible gun owners and use them for recreational purposes. So I think that when we talk about the, the mass shootings, we have to clarify the weapons being used. And there's so many varieties of guns that we can't just put a label and say all guns are bad or all guns should be prohibited. Yeah, you make a really good point. Since I'm from Missouri, we have a very similar culture. Hunting is very popular. It's very deeply rooted in the culture. So you have a lot of people who, who own guns. And like you said, there are a lot of responsible gun owners. But again, you have to look at the type of gun like you talked about. You have people now who can easily walk into a gun store and, and buy an assault rifle, you know, a weapon that is only used for warfare. So people kind of start scratching their heads and thinking, why would someone ever need an assault rifle to hunt or for any other purpose, really? So, yeah, it's more complex than just here's a gun, here's a problem. So you have to look deeper at the issue. To date, the largest mass shooting in the U.S. was the Las Vegas shooting a couple years ago. And that was the problem with him. He had 10 guns, and they were all, like, military weaponized guns. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that how he was? Yeah, correct. And I, I think he had a special type of gun that's called a, a bump stock, which allows a lot more of the, um, of the ammunition, the bullets, to come out of the gun easier. So it's essentially a really high-power, high-velocity machine gun that, again, you would only use in a, in a war or some kind of scenario like that. So the fact that a civilian was able just to accumulate these guns and just have a reign of terror on all these people is it's frightening. The recent one in Ohio, the shooter was taken out by police in 20 seconds. And right. he was able to kill nine people and injure, you know, a couple dozen others. And it's like quick, like that's so 20 right. seconds. 20 seconds to kill nine people. That's much different than a shotgun or a hunting rifle. So we have to, again, kind of classify what, what weapons are being used. And so since you both are, you know, more from the southern states, explain for Chileans, what's the history of guns in the U.S.? Well, in the United States, we have what's called the Second Amendment, and that allows the citizens to own, possess, and use firearms. What we have to realize is the context of when the law was written. During the time that America, or the United States, was founded, we were at war with the British. And the law was written so that the people of the United States could defend themselves against a British invasion. At that time, however, the guns were a single bullet, and it probably took at least 30 seconds to load one bullet. So the ability to kill multiple people wasn't there. When that law was written, it was a different time, and the weapons were completely different than what we we have today. And what are some of the rhetoric, I guess, that you hear in the political arena when it comes to guns? You have, obviously, the left side, 
which are very more gun control, you know, background checks, lesser guns on the streets. And then you have the right, which are, you know, more about Second Amendment, right? We want to have our guns. I guess, where is the biggest conflict around getting any kind of policy passed on gun control in the U.S.? I would personally say the the biggest obstacle is the National Rifle Association, also known as the NRA. They give millions and millions of dollars to politicians, and the politicians choose not to vote on legislation that could change the law or could amend the law. So in, in a lot of ways, it's a powerful organization that controls government. And in addition to that, just with bipartisan politics in general in the United States, you have politicians who just want to stick with their group, stick with their team. So if that means your your party supports guns, then you feel automatically that you need to support guns or vice versa on the other side. There's a problem with politicians not really wanting to to speak for themselves apart from their group. So it's become this whole us against them sort of mentality, which I think is a problem for having any kind of change with with policy or problems in in the United States. And gun control is is one of those problems that falls into that that sort of issue. Unfortunately for us being Americans, we've kind of been like numb to these mass shootings. We've had just so many of them. And you have the same politicians going out and saying, oh, you know, I'll be there for the victims. I'm praying for the victims and all these ideas about gun control. But I mean, nothing passes. And it's always the deadliest shooting, the deadliest shooting. And it's kind of for us, I don't know, like where the breaking point will be that there will actually be meaningful policy passed. I don't know. What do you think, Jesse? Look, I think it's a it's a dangerous slope to go on. And I think politicians rightfully avoid the issue, not only because they're concerned with re-election, but if we if we enact a policy where we take away the assault rifles, which in my honest opinion, I think we should, I don't think any civilian should have an assault rifle or a weapon of war. But if you begin that process and make one gun illegal, then responsible gun owners may see that as a first step to you eventually taking all of their guns. I think politicians are nervous because if they if they make a move to eliminate one type of gun, then it potentially could open a Pandora's box of political fallout for them. It's so true. And I mean, that's why you see something as tragic as the Sandy Hook mass shooting and policy wasn't really passed after that. And it's like if you have over 20 elementary school kids dying from guns. I mean, I don't know what could be worse well, than that. I remember um, <laughs> I was in high school during the first Columbine shooting. I remember clearly we, in our school, after the Columbine shooting, we could only bring clear or mesh backpacks. And we could not have any any kind of bag that would conceal. So. Unfortunately, and maybe I'm, I'm giving my age here, I'm from the generation that started to see these mass shootings. It started when I was in high school, and I'm out of high school for 20 years now, and it hasn't stopped. Interesting you mentioned the Columbine shooting because another topic that I talk about with students around this issue is 
how uh, it was so normal for us in, in school to have shooting drills. I'm sure it was the same for you, but explaining to students that, yeah, we used to practice, uh, at least where I live, tornado drills. Correct. And then fire drills, which very normal. But then I explained the shooting drill. So, you know, the teacher would close all the, sh- all the shades, all the curtains, lock the door. And all the students, we would huddle in, a, in the corner. We would simulate this scenario. What happens if someone comes to school with a gun? And the older I get, the more I realized how, how kind of crazy that is, that it was normalized for us. You know, being a little boy, pretending to be hiding from a shooter in a classroom is not normal. So the more people I talk to outside of the United States, the more I get that other perspective of it's, it's a real problem. And, and to be honest, if I, had, if I had my own child going to school in the United States today, I'd be nervous. I'd be scared that something would happen. I think the scariest thing about these shootings is, is what you said, is that they take away our safe spaces. I mean, going to school is something that should feel comfortable and safe. Going to the movie theaters, going to a concert, going to the bars. Going to church. Exactly. I mean, these places where they happen are places where now it's in the back of your mind. For me, I don't really worry about it, but I definitely have friends that are a little nervous now when they go to the the movies or if they go in a place where there's a lot of people. They're kind of always on guard because these incidences happen everywhere. No one is safe. You know, it's not like it's condensed to one state or one city. I mean, just recently you had El Paso and then in Ohio. I mean, so far away. <laughs> yeah, it's not a geographically isolated event. It, it can happen anywhere at any time. And, and for that reason, you have a lot of people on edge, a lot of people nervous to, to do normal everyday things. A lot of people in the back of their mind have, have to play this scenario out. What happens if... If there is a shooting, what happens if, if something happens? And that shouldn't be a normal way of thinking. I often tell my students that maybe they would be surprised to go into some grocery stores or maybe even a Walmart, because I know in my state, in a Walmart, you literally can buy cheese, butter, milk, and right next to it, the guns. There's a, a row of guns. They're just opposite aisles, milk guns. And just so we know, because I I live in a state that's, we have pretty strict gun laws, so I don't see that. I grew up and I don't think I ever saw a gun. What would be the policy? Like, I could walk into that Walmart today and buy a gun? Like, would I need my ID? Would I need, like, what would I need? Correct. You would need to show identification, but that's all. And I could walk away that day with it? Correct. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And we also have, and you might hear this talked about, what's called the gun show loophole. So in the United States, oftentimes gun manufacturers, gun collectors, they will host a big exhibition and they're called a gun show. And in those shows, they're in the law, you do not have to do a background check for anyone if you're selling the gun privately. So if your, if your neighbor wanted to sell his AK-47, he can sell it to you or give it to you, and there's no paperwork, there's no documentation. So it's, it's very, very easily accessible. The thing that I don't get, too, is you read more so now in a lot of these mass shootings that the shooters get their guns online. 
I don't get how that works because I mean how can they verify that it's you buying it again that's part of the loophole and I know some online they they you can buy the gun in pieces and then assemble the gun later similar to the Vegas shooting those bump stocks that we talked about are not included with the gun it's an extra accessory that's added to the weapon so the assumption would be what's in the federal database of what we think are the amount of guns in circulation is incorrect it's probably a lot higher yeah yeah another interesting part of just talking about the the ease of being able to get guns another surprising fact that i tell a lot of students is you know in the united states you can buy a gun when you're 18 but you can't buy a beer until you're 21. that's a little mind-blowing I mean, for us, but really for foreigners as well. Every student that I've told that fact, they've just been eyes wide open and kind of almost gasping. Really? You can't buy a beer, but you can go buy an assault rifle? And there is something a little backwards about that that I think needs to be changed. Yeah, that that's absolutely crazy. And And I think, I mean, we're talking about a weapon, right? I mean, if you gave me a gun right now, I don't think I'd do so hot with it, you know? And you're like, I could just go into a Walmart, buy this deadly weapon and just have at it. Like not having any experience, no lesson, no training, no. I think that's the scariest thing. I mean, for most things that have any kind of danger, you need to take a class, you need to pass a course, take a test. But it's like one of the most deadliest things you can buy legally, you can just have without any experience. Correct. And if you look at the numbers of small children who are accidentally killed by guns, that they find their parent's gun in a drawer and they think it's a toy, then they shoot their brother or sister or themselves. Unfortunately, that doesn't get reported a lot, but the numbers are really high in the United States of children hurting themselves with with guns. Unless you're from the United States, it's very hard to understand. It's really, really difficult to, to understand how, first of all, it's so easy to get them and why so many people die from them. It's a really complicated issue that hopefully gets fixed sooner or later. I think it's something I'm not proud of being from the U.S. because I think it's something that they're like, oh, you're from the U.S.? What's up with your guns? You know, and it's something that I get frustrated with that another mass shooting happens, another mass shooting happens, you know, people ask you have no answer like you said you hope something gets done but being realistic something probably won't (laughs) no thoughts and prayers are not going to to handle this situation it's going to take legislation and it's going to take politicians standing up to lobbyists and listening to the people of the country hopefully they can do that well again sorry this was a very (laughs) serious sensitive topic but jesse thanks so much for joining us It was really great having you. Yeah, great to be here. Well, as you know, students go on the website. You'll find the full transcript and vocabulary guide on there. So thanks again for listening. See you next time. Coffee with Gringos was brought to you by Dynamic English, where you can learn English simply by using it. If you're interested in taking classes or just want to learn more, go to our website at dynamicenglish.cl. Thanks for listening.